We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into another Lock It Up with Kurtz podcast. I am John Kurtz. I'm joined by Aaron Lockett, K-State legend, former Wildcat wide receiver. We've got a lot to cover today. Not only are we about a week and a half away from the football season oh, actually yeah. starting, but uh, conference realignment continues to swirl. There were some crazy rumors uh, about the Big 12 this week that involved K-State, so we're going to address all of that. But, man, it is wild. I was just talking to – so Tucker Franklin's our – producer here i was talking to tucker aaron right before this i was like man it's like eight days away from me traveling to uh to dallas to arlington to get this thing started man and k-state's got a big time game right away against stanford it's uh it's getting exciting here now that we're very close to it now i'm right down the street i'm gonna find my way to dallas as well i'm excited to see him play like i said it's got the bowl game feeling even though it's the first game of the year it's it's a non-conference game um, everybody wants to see what the new team looks like, all of the new transfers coming in, some of the existing players that are now uh, one level uh, up from last year. And so it's going to be exciting to see if they can put it all together. But game one is a big one for K-State. Yeah, the transfers. I'm, I'm glad you bring that up because we're going to talk about one of those guys later on today, Timmy Horn, a transfer who's already a team captain. K-State had four captains, and he wound up being one of the team captains after entering from the transfer portal uh, from Charlotte last year, which is a crazy crazy story but we've got all that I've been to a bunch of different press conferences here over the last few weeks hearing from basically everybody on the team all the coaches so a ton of information for you but I do have to share we we mentioned hey the game's coming up in Dallas I know a lot of you guys are going to be going to I guess Arlington technically but if you are headed out to the game which you should even if you are not yet because tickets are really cheap you can find them on the secondary market for very cheap you should go and you need to make sure that you bring your 360 Vodka along with you. We so appreciate the support of 360 Vodka at Holiday Distillery. But you're K-State fans. I know you're going to tailgate. Everybody's got a tailgate to get lubed up and ready for the game against Stanford, even though it's early. But you know what? 360 Vodka, I bet, would be great for some Bloody Marys. If you're trying to make some Bloody Marys before K-State Stanford, you can definitely do that. Craft cocktails, batch drinks, infusions. Uh, 360 has your drink of choice covered. These guys are great. It's awesome stuff, and they've been so supportive of everything that uh, that is happening here on KCSN. So really appreciate 360 Vodka and Holiday Distillery. And make sure that you stock up, guys. Load up before you head out to Arlington and make that trip to the game to see K-State and Stanford. All right, so K-State and Stanford is a non-conference game now. If K-State was in the Pac-12, that would be a <laughs> conference game, right? Uh, and there was a rumor earlier this week 
from Dave Wanstat, of all people, uh, a Fox Sports analyst. He obviously used to be an NFL and college head coach as well. But this drew a lot of attention, and you can understand why. He said on 670 The Score in Chicago, which is uh, the premier sports radio station in Chicago, that K-State and Oklahoma State were going to the Pac-12, Kansas and Iowa State were going to the Big Ten, and West Virginia is going to the ACC. And he said it pretty definitively with a lot of authority. Um, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, I guess, here, if you were very hopeful <laughs> about this, but uh, I do not believe this to be accurate just in doing some digging and some checking around. I don't think that is going to happen. I don't think K-State is headed to the Pac-12. In fact, by the end of this week, depending on when you're watching this, we may have already gotten an answer for sure on the Pac-12 saying that they are not going to expand because that is supposed to come by the end of the week. So there's a lot that you could undress about this. I mean, the Pac-12 only taking two, but no teams from the state of Texas. Um, Iowa State going to the Big Ten when Iowa's already there. Kansas, I still think, is a long shot to the Big Ten. There's just a lot of this that didn't really make a ton of sense. I think you could have seen through it anyway, but – uh, I can add whatever credibility you think I have. I'm going to throw that on top of this too and saying that I, I don't believe this to be accurate. Well, I think that's the fun part about it, right? Everybody has their opinion. Some people have their sources. But, you know, if you just think about it, it doesn't make sense at all for none of the Texas schools to head out west, right? And so I think if, if the Pac-12 was to expand, they would at least consider the TCUs and the Baylors of the world just because it makes sense logistically. Um, and they come in as a pack. And so – Nice to hear that we're being considered if that is the case. But uh, for the most part, it looks like the Big 12 is going to have to figure out what really works for them. And so if that's adding a couple of teams, if that's um, staying as, as is, doesn't really seem like a realistic option moving forward, even though they have the TV revenue they're making, which um, is doing really well on that end of it. But what's left for the Big 12? To be determined. But hopefully they can add some teams, um, you know, whether it's two or, or, or uh, another four to make it um, 12. But you know, 16 may be a little bit too much. You know, you may get uh, decreased value in that if you don't have the right teams, but excited to see what options there are uh, for Kansas State. Yeah, you hit on it. I mean, it seems like everything right now is really headed toward the eight teams having to come together and try and add some other teams on top of that. That's that's really where everything is leading. You know, we saw earlier this week the Pac-12, the ACC, and the Big Ten made their alliance official, which is there wasn't a whole lot of substance really to that agreement. Uh, they called it a gentleman's agreement and that there's nothing actually signed, which I, you have to laugh about that in the world of conference realignment where there are no rules uh, to say that it's a gentleman's agreement and you're going to be okay with it. Yeah. But you know, it was sealing off the big 12. It was keeping them out of the, the cool kids club, so to speak with everybody else in, in college <laughs> football, but you have that. And then you have the PAC 12 again saying that by the end of the week, they'll have a decision on whether or not they're going to expand and, Everybody in the industry right now is reporting that that is likely to be a no, that they're going to stay put at 12 for right now. Um, yeah. And then we have the report from The Athletic on the Big 12 that says that they they do have a committee formed to discuss expansion, and they have been doing that over the last month. It's just going to be complicated because you have a lot of schools that are wanting to keep their options open and not commit to beyond 2025 within the league. If you do think you have a chance to latch on somewhere else, a lot of schools are in that mode. So it's going to be pretty complicated, but I, I think you're right, Aaron. Like right now, the best move is going to be try to hunker down if you're the eight and and go see what you can add, see what's available there to try and add to the league. You know, honestly, I think a lot of people are going to take a step back and kind of see how the football season goes, see if there's any college that, that emerges to the top that makes sense. I think there's some schools that are on the bubble, um, but until they see kind of how they play, how the fan base is, I think they're going to wait and make a decision later on. But Honestly, if you think about it from a Big 12 perspective, if you can add a Memphis and a, and a Houston and a Cincinnati 
um, and, and maybe a BYU or something of that nature. If you can add four schools um, and the recruiting is still strong in the Midwest, especially for Texas, I think that gives you an opportunity to have a successful fan base um, for that conference. And so I think that's one thing the Big 12 has going for them. Um, when you look at the SEC, when you look at the Pac-12, you know, those are regionally based out in the West and out in the Southeast. Um, and for us, it's really just we have our own fan base. We have our own uh, followers and alumnus that's been to these universities. And so they're rooting for the Big 12 to stay together. And so I think that's one thing that really works for us. And you're always going to have those, those Dallas's and those Oklahoma cities and, and Tulsa and Kansas and Iowa. And so you'll always have a fan base wherever you play. And so I think that's important for the Big 12 to consider. It is. It is. And we'll see how much discussions get tabled as the football season actually starts. I think that's another thing you could see happening here. But that's a good thing because I think everybody could use a distraction right now in the form of uh, why we're all here in the first place, which is playing football games. So K-State has a season right around the corner as we discussed. I have I know last time it seemed like we talked more offense on the last Log It Up with Kurt's uh, podcast. We'll start with defense here because we're pretty fresh off of some defensive press conferences earlier this week with defensive position coaches. And last week we had uh, Joe Klanderman, K-State's defensive coordinator, as well as at open practice, which was interesting. We got about 30 minutes of open practice to go watch and see what's going on. The thing that really stands out to me about the defense right now, and there we know about the questions. We've addressed that. Linebacker seems to be a big question. And even the defensive line, you worried about, hey, no Wyatt Hubert. How do you replace his playmaking ability? But the thing that continues to be reinforced is that we may have our focus a little bit off when it comes to how do you replace Wyatt Hubert because we're thinking defensive ends and pass rush. But you can also get pass rush from the interior of your defensive oh, line. Yeah. I mean, you know, you look at Chris Jones of the Kansas City Chiefs, so I know now is moving more outside a little bit. But in his career, he's created plenty of havoc um, from being a guy that's inside. And K-State feels like a strength of their team is going to be the depth that they have at defensive tackle and not just the depth, but the playmaking ability. Um, you already had Eli Huggins there, who's the returner that's rock solid. But the X factor has been Timmy Horn, who is a transfer from Charlotte. I mentioned that yeah. he's been named a team captain. We have just heard rave review after rave review from players and coaches alike about what he's been able to do just as a guy who's really intelligent, understands the game, and what he brings from a playmaking ability. So you combine that with like Jalen Pickle and some of the depth pieces that they already have, that could be a solution to make up for the loss of Wyatt Hebert just getting good D-tackle play. You know, I think one thing, being being named a captain shows his maturity, and it shows that all the other players along with the coaches have already started to buy in. And so for him, it's going to be important to go out there and play like you're expected to play. And so if he can get some double teams, that'd be great, right? You get some double teams on that end, you open up, and then your linebackers can shoot the gap. And if that can start to happen, then you start to get some pressure, and then you can actually believe that your defense can start making plays without having to compromise certain positions. And so I think the D-tackle will be one of those positions, as you mentioned. You know, how do you help out the DNs? How do you help out the linebackers? If you can plug the middle, um, hopefully stop the run a little bit, force them to pass, then you can launch onto the receivers and the secondary can come through. So defense has always been a strong point historically for Kansas State. That's always been an opportunity for Kansas State to make their name. We've always had speed guys on offense and playmakers, but defensively, if you look at the history of Kansas State, we've always had some guys that stepped up. And so I think it's going to be no different this year. I think it's just a matter of getting guys on the field. I think guys have been, like I said before, lifting. They've been in the summer workouts. They're doing all the things they need to do, but how does it translate to on-field production? That's really what you want to see. I want to see the ballers. I want to see the guys that come out and make plays. Like, it's nice to look good in your pads, and it's nice to be 
you know, 6'4", 205, but can you make plays when, when the lights are on? And so that's the thing I'm looking for. And for those guys that show up, those are the ones that going to help Kansas State move forward. Yeah, and I think you, you do have some real upside potential with a guy like Khalid Duke, who I think was slowed down a little bit by yeah. some being banged up last year. But he he definitely, from an athleticism standpoint, offers something that nobody else does at defensive end. And Buddy Wyatt, who's the defensive ends coach, when he was talking about Khalid Duke earlier this week, he said, man, like, the ceiling, I asked him, like, is the ceiling as high as, as Wyatt Hubert? And he said, well, from an athleticism standpoint, it's higher, but it's it's all about consistency. Huh. Uh, consistency is really the thing there. And we've seen like, – he's flashed. He had some great moments against Oklahoma last year. I think that'll be the key for a lot of these guys that are stepping into bigger roles this year. We know that there's some potential there, but can they actually be consistent? You know, Nate Matlack is another guy who's a Kansas City area kid, defensive end likely playing for the first time this year. Um, they rave about his ability, but can you be consistent at that stage of your career? I think I think that's that's going to be the key for a lot of it. You know, it's two things as a as a former player and as a fan that I'm looking for for Kansas State defensively, and, and one is to get sideline to sideline. we got to get faster. That was just one of the things that we struggled with last year, just one too many times where we were unable to get to where we needed to. The second time was we got to be aggressive. We can't be a passive defense. And so I think that from a fan standpoint, you know, you just want to make plays. But as a player, I just want to see the hustle and the effort. And as long as they tackle well, we've always got a chance. I think last year there were some times where we just missed too many tackles that put us in, in tough positions. But, um, you know, from the guys that I've seen on the team and things that I've heard, they're excited. They're pumped up. I think they understand the stigma around Kansas State in general. And so for them, it's important to go out there and showcase that they have the ability to make those plays. There's definitely a – an aura of excitement and just a different kind of vibe, I think, this year than there was last year. I think you're very accurate in saying that. Um, they feel like they have something pretty special going right now. And and I'm with you on defense in terms of sideline to sideline being faster. I I love Justin Hughes to death, and he played a lot of football <laughs> at K-State, and it's unfortunate what happened to him with the knee injuries, but I think that really slowed him down last year. And so there were some instances where you may have been a step or two uh, slow there. And, and look, I have questions about the linebackers this year, but – we do keep hearing good things about Daniel Green, who from an athleticism standpoint has a higher ceiling, I think, than the other linebackers there. And it sounds like they have a hierarchy kind of fleshed out now at linebacker. Daniel Green, Cody Fletcher would be the starters. Nick Allen is supposed to be the third guy. And then beyond him, it's another step down and you get to Austin Moore, Eric Munoz and Keenan Gaskin, some other guys that can fill in there. But, you know, as we get deeper into camp, it seems like now they have a better grasp on things and a better idea there. And I would also throw in, I know you really like Wayne Jones, and you've talked about the ability that he brings to the table. There had been some confusion there, like, okay, is he playing linebacker? He and Ryan Hennington <laughs> playing linebacker, or is it nickel? Finally got some clarification on that, and it sounds like they're basically nickels, those two, but they're, they're, uh -huh. they have four nickelbacks, two of whom will play in bigger packages, which would be Hennington and Jones, and two would play when they want to be faster. And then you're talking about Amaris Brown, and Reggie Stubblefield, Stubblefield being a transfer there. So you do have plenty of options, and as I said, you could increase your speed by, you know, using a Wayne Jones in the linebacking core, a guy who obviously started in the secondary. Yeah, I, I can tell you Wayne has it in his bloodlines. Wayne's from Tulsa, so he's from the same city I'm from. And so I've had opportunity to see Wayne this summer, and Wayne looks the part, right? He's put on some size. And so when they talk about that, that nickel strong package, um, you know, I think about him as like a rover. Right. If you think about, um, you know, the, the NFL, if you think of guys like Troy Palamu, who came in um, of all names. Right. Troy. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, 
being able to fill the gap, blitz on the weak side if needed. Um, I think that he brings that athletic ability, right? As a former safety with, with uh, cover corner skills, now he's ready to come in and, and fit in. And so it's exciting to see what that would look like. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad you hit on that because I, you know, I'm like a I'm a fan. I didn't play the game. I don't totally understand how all this works. They, Kleiman was basically saying the nickel is in essence like a third linebacker there. And so that's why there can be some compatibility between those two and interchangeability. Is that pretty accurate from your understanding there that like a nickel can basically be another linebacker? Well, it depends on the offensive set. And so if there's, if there's two receivers, a tight end and two backs, and you've got a nickel in there, then he's basically a linebacker because you normally have a Mike Will and a Sam. But if there's three receivers, then ideally you can have a Mike Will and a Sam, and he's going to have to cover that middle inside receiver. And so it just depends on the offensive set. If he's in the game, he can cover that inside receiver either as a true nickel or if it's, if it's a one tight end with two receivers and two backs, he'll just play that strong side backer. And so I think that's an opportunity for him to get in. I would think when they say nickel strong, I would see him in packages like third and short, right? You would, you would expect yeah. him to be able to blitz, call it third and three and, and less. Um, and therefore, if they hit a bootleg, he can cover that tight end coming in on the backside. And so um, third and long, they'll have a three receiver set. And so you'll have a true nickel in there that's expected to cover. Yeah, that makes sense. That definitely makes sense. You know, one thing, speaking of the secondary that I want to throw in here, because I know we've talked a lot about Jerron McPherson, who's another captain, and, and that's not surprising at all with the leadership that he brings to the table. But I picked up on something Chris Kleiman said where he was talking about the depth of the secondary and feeling better about that and that it would be important from the standpoint of Jerron McPherson not having to play 65 or 70 snaps per game and how much of a difference that could really make. And I think that's one thing that gets lost in in the shuffle from last year. The K-State had so many personnel issues and guys out on defense in particular late in the year that it, you talk about your frontline guys. I mean, they said, Hey, there would be times where um, Jerron's tongue was like hanging down by the ground. You know, he was just gassed <laughs> and tired and they just had to, he would look to the sideline and they'd be like, Hey man, sorry. Like you, you got to play. We don't have anybody else. So, you know, as a player, I imagine you can speak to that like that. That would make a huge difference to be playing, you know, whatever it might be 45 snaps as opposed to 70 snaps and what you can actually get out of those snaps when you're out on the field. Yeah. I'm sorry. I want to play 70 snaps. So I'm gonna tell Jay Mack if that's the case, get in shape. Let's let's go. We don't have time. <laughs> okay. We don't we don't need the rotation going on. And so um, you need your best players on the field because depth is always going to be a concern, right? If those if those second and third tier guys are not getting the reps that they need either in practice or in the games, then you got to go with the one depth. And so if you're injury free, you need to be out there. And so I think that that's part of the conditioning throughout the summertime, positioning yourself. Um, we don't have time to take plays off. We just don't have that depth that we need. Um, and for for the Big 12, you want to be out there, right? Because you're going to get challenged, whether it's, it's Brees Hall coming down or it's Marvin Mims going over top. You need to be out there to be able to make that play because it doesn't take but one play for somebody to go 70 yards. And so because of that, um, my expectation is, yeah, if, if there's a, a time where he needs a breather, I get it. But hopefully we're not on defense that many times. Other than that, let's lace them up and go. Uh, that that is that is the former player mentality right there, man. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. And and speaking of, by the way, I also like the point that you bring up. Like a guy like Jerome McPherson, you think about the challenge that's in front of him. You will have to go hit Brees Hall, and you will have to cover Marvin Mims, who were both. <laughs> ESPN did a list of the top 100 players in college football this past week. They were both in the top right. 10. So yep. you know, good luck. <laughs> that, that's going to be tough. I tell you what, though, it's an opportunity, right? And that's all you ever want as a player is an opportunity to play against the best. And so 
you know, both potential first rounders, right, with, with Mims and, and Hall. And so when, when their time comes, but if you're on the field, that's that's where you get a chance to make a name for yourself. And that's really what you want to do. And so because of that, it's not just the mentality that one player should have. It's the mentality that all players should have. And it should be a cohesive unit. And so as you go out there and the way they played against Oklahoma last year is just that energy that you need day in and day out. And so that's that consistency that we talk about. Can you do that even when you're not playing against the OUs of the world? And so I expect Iowa State to come out slinging the ball and run it. I expect TCU and Baylor all to bring their A games. And so because of that, it's exciting. I think the Big 12, like I said, regardless of all the realignment talk, this year, everybody's still there. And so what you can honestly do is whether you run the table or not, you can change people's perception of Kansas State based on how you go out there and play this year. Yeah, continue to reference Gene Taylor K-State's AD saying it's a good year to have a good year. And that is, it's a, it's a good that is year no lie. That is no lie at all. Now, to turn to the offensive side of the ball, the only real, and this is actually a good thing. I know we're about to I'm about to reveal some unfortunate injury news here, but the fact that yeah. there's really, knock on wood, only been one major injury so far is, is a good thing, I think, this deep into fall camp. It's Taylor Potier, who is an offensive lineman that was really making a surge. He's a Kansas City kid uh, from Bishop Miege that was playing really well. And unfortunately, it sounds like he's going to miss the season with an injury. There's, there's bad news there. You never want to see that. And again, I think he's a guy with a bright future ahead of him. Strong and future. Kind of, yeah, and kind of like a K-State guy because he was not very highly recruited, pulled out of the KC area, and very quickly made a name for himself in the program. The good yeah. news is, I will say – if there was one position group on the team where you would say you have to suffer a season-ending injury, pick which position group it's going to be, right. you'd go offensive line just because they have so much depth. I mean, they're talking about nine or ten guys being ready to play there. So that's the silver lining, but you do hate to see it for, for Taylor Podier. Yeah, he got some playing time last year. You know, he was one of the, the bright spots in the offensive line, and that was what I was talking about last time we had an opportunity to jump on the podcast is that, even though we didn't play extremely well in all of the games, especially the last couple of games, he was one of the freshmen that came in and got a chance to play early. And so that was a bright spot. And so this year was going to be a chance to piggyback off of last year and really showcase what he can do. And so once again, injuries are, are rough as part of the game, but you hope that he'll be able to come back and showcase what he can do. But if you, if you have depth, like you said, that's something that he can lean on. I still expect him to be like a player coach now, right? Use some of that experience and help those guys, tell them what you see on the field. And so that's the camaraderie that you need within the football um, team when you're out there on the field. Everybody can't see everything. And so when you're coming off, you're getting all these questions from the coaches. And sometimes you just don't, you just don't know the answer. And so it's nice to have a player coach next to you and say, hey, I saw him shade inside a little bit. Maybe you guys can run a counter this way or sweep this way. And so those are going to be some of the things that I would expect from his position to do going forward. Yeah, you know, Skylar Thompson's a great example of that. All the talk last year was after yeah. he got hurt, well, he he went up to the booth. I mean, he he was like, literally, I want to see the game from a different perspective. I want to understand what the coaches are doing here. So he went up and hung out with Colin Klein and Courtney Messingham. And, you know, again, everything that we hear about Skylar, I, we don't talk about it a ton on the podcast here, really, because I think he's just such a known commodity at this point as a sixth-year senior. But they, they do say, one, he's healthy. He's slinging the ball around like – as good as he ever has. And two, he just has an even better understanding of the offense and what's going on. Because as you can imagine, I mean, as a player, in-game experience, being out there with the bullets flying, that's great. But it's a totally different thing. 
you're way up in the booth. I mean, I sit up in the press box. It looks totally different than it does down on the sideline. You know I mean? It's just such a different right. perspective there. So that can be something that really helps out this year. You know, Skylar, I've never, I haven't been in college for six years. And so I don't know what that feels like. Um, but to know that when you were a freshman, you have, you have sixth graders and seventh graders now in college, which is just a different feel. And so I would expect him to, to look at this from a professional standpoint now and start to say, okay, how do we position our teams to be successful, right? It's no longer about, hey, I'm happy to be in college. It's pretty cool to play for Kansas State. It's like, what can I do to lead this team? Like, what skills do I have to really lean on and start to position myself where people will follow? And so that's a different type of challenge, right? But as a six-year guy, you are a coach, right? You've been around the offense. You've been around multiple coaches coming in and out. You've got Colin Klein in your backfield. And so um, as far as, you know, in your ear telling you exactly what to do, you've got the experience, right? It's just a matter of connecting the dots, going out there and making the plays. And so um, I'm expecting big things, right? I'm not holding back on Skylar. I'm expecting him to be a leader, make the play, make the read. Um, yep, things will happen, right? You'll get confused at times, but um, 80 to 90% of the time, he needs to be consistent where we can lean on him and he can deliver as expected. Yeah, and honestly, I think, uh, you know, I knowing Skylar, he's a very – He's a very emotional guy. He plays with a ton of emotion. He's very driven. I would think like, you know, I mean, look, Spencer Rattler, I understand why he gets a lot of attention, but there's not a ton of preseason hype for, for Skylar Thompson, even though he is a guy that's been around forever. He's won three games against top 10 teams, winning at Oklahoma State, winning at Oklahoma, beating Oklahoma and Manhattan. I would think that he's going to be very fueled and motivated by all of that. Now, I don't know, you know, people ask me all the time, like, is he like, is this, is he going to be first team all big 12? Is he going to probably not be the Rattler, right? Is he going to be second team all big right. 12? The problem is the offense he plays in. I don't know that he's going to ever put up the numbers that would really get you that kind of attention. Like, you know, Brock Purdy, for instance, is likely going to put up more numbers at Iowa state. Right. I, I think he can be in the conversation in the second tier, certainly of quarterbacks behind Rattler uh, in the big 12 this year. I think he has that potential. And if K state's going to get to, eight or nine wins, which I think we all want to see this year, that, that's probably going to have to happen. You, you know, Scott is one of those guys that, that doesn't just wow you, um, like, like the Spencer Rattlers as far as making, you know, all those ultimate throws. And maybe it is the offense, but I can tell you what, he's a competitor, right? He, he runs tough. He's efficient when he plays. I think if you talk about national publicity, you know, what they know about Kansas State is, one, Kansas State, to most people, are a second-tier team in the Big 12. They're just not part of that first group of, of teams they talk about. The second part about it, he's coming off injury, right? And so yeah. from a national perspective, they kind of you know discount you coming off injury until they start to see you play again. And then the third piece about that is he's in an offense where he's got another stud that he hands the ball off to. And so he's having to share a little bit of that national attention. But I can tell you what, one big win – four wins in a row, it all starts to change because you become part of that conversation. As long as you get in the top 25, then people start to get eyes on you. And from there, they start to look at your history. And with Skylar, they'll see, as I talked about before, that touchdown to interception ratio is in his favor. And so if he continues to play at that level, they continue to win. He makes big plays when his number's called on. I think you'll start to see some of that national recognition come around. Now, number seven is going to look pretty good if he's running around making plays in it. It's looked very good. Very used to it, right? <laughs> yeah, a lot of guys in K-State before. From the 24-year-old Skylar Thompson, who there was a funny moment, his press conference where he, he was talking about the kids that he's around, which, you know, I mean, he's like six years older than some of these guys. We're about to talk about some true freshmen here that are turning heads on offense. Yeah. There, there have been three 
in particular that were mentioned by Chris Kleiman and some of the assistants. One of those is DJ Giddens, who's from Junction City. So, I mean, I've had a chance to see him play some in the, the Centennial League. He's a running back and I think is going to be basically the fourth back as of right now to start the year. When we were at open practice, he was actually up with, you know, they, they had two groups going. They do the double rep system. And they have the one group that's, you know, like the ones, twos, maybe threes. And then it's the younger right. guys on the other end. Well, man, DJ Giddens, who, again, not highly recruited at all, just kind of came in from Junction City, is already up practicing with the big boys. I think you're going to see him. Um, RJ Garcia from Tampa, yeah. who's a receiver. That's another guy who they just seem to love his approach and what he brings to the table. He's from the same high school as Josh Youngblood. Well, yeah. Obviously had a really good freshman season for K-State a couple of years ago in 2019. And then the other is Hadley Panzer, who's from Lake in Kansas, um, a small town in Kansas, but offensive lineman that was – he had some decent recruiting attention but was not super highly recruited. And Chris Clement said he's going to play some football for the Cats this year. So there are some young guys turning heads. And this, Aaron, is kind of a different conversation with Chris Clement than it was with Bill Snyder, where it was much tougher. Now, you you got on the field very early as a, as a freshman under Bill Snyder, but not a lot of guys did. You know, we see a little no. bit more of that with Clement. It was almost taboo to get on the field as a, as a true freshman. And so um, when I was there, I actually ended up redshirt and wanted to play my freshman year, but ended up redshirt. And so I had to sit by my redshirt freshman year I played. But I had been in the system for a year. But if you look at guys like like even Tyler, Tyler played, Froze played. And so I've been around some guys. Monty Beisel played when I was there yeah. as a true freshman. So I've been around some guys that's played as a true freshman. What I can tell you is it's different, right? It's they played well in high school, but when they come to college, it moves a little bit faster, right? The ball gets there a little bit faster. You get hit a little bit harder, and it takes them some games to adjust. And so as well as some of these guys are doing in practice, it's going to take them a couple of games to adjust. And so hopefully we'll put them in positions where they can be successful. Um, but obviously the benefit of having a freshman is there's no expectations. They're just going out there and playing football, right? And so if we can get some speed and we can hit some angles and we can make some plays, leave them out there. But I expect some of the senior guys and junior guys that's been around to make the plays consistently. And so, like I said, if we can continue to move the chains, keep the defensive off, then we don't have to worry about rotating anywhere and everybody can play. And I think we'll be a better program if everybody can stay healthy and we start winning some ball games. Yeah, definitely some quality depth that can be provided here. And yeah. we'll see we'll see where RJ Garcia fits into the receiver rotation. You know, I do I do want to make sure we ask you about the receivers, obviously, with that being a a big time area of expertise for you. It's another place where I think just listening to coaches talk throughout press conferences, it seems like we have sort of a hierarchy developed there. You know, an injury note here is Sebastian Taylor is coming yeah. back from the ACL injury that he suffered in the last game of the year last year against Texas. So, you know, you put together the timeline there. It's pretty tight. Now, Chris Kleiman said he did think that he'll be able to play against Stanford. He just may be on a pitch count, so to speak. He may be limited. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, look, we know about Malik Knowles, and he's been one of the real offseason stars that they've they've raved about. Another one that was brought up this week was Landry Weber. And I, I know that's mm. not a sexy name to a lot of fans, but Landry Weber did make an impact and contributed in 2019. Last year, battle an injury. And I, I, that was a big talking point was that his offseason surgery has really helped out and that he is doing a lot of very good things right now. So I think you look at the receiver group, you're going to have Knowles, you're going to have Phillip Brooks. Those are the two guys that have been around you know about. Um, Landry Weber has been around for a long time and is somebody that the, the coaches do really yeah. adore. Sebastian Taylor, if he's healthy, he's definitely going to be in that first group of three to four. And then beyond that, you know, I think Keenan Garber, Tyrone Howell, who's a new Juco transfer who, man, go check out my Twitter account at JL Kurtz or Joe Hall was the one that posted the video initially. 
he made an insane catch and has some great. I saw the one hander. I saw yeah. that. Yeah, that one. Look, yeah. let's get an Aaron Lockett critique on the uh, the Tyrone Howell one handed grab. Do you know what state he's from? I'm gonna guess Texas because you're uh, you're asking it that way, or Oklahoma. My fault. There Oklahoma. you go. Yes. There, <laughs> there you go. I don't go. know what I'm being. You're in Texas. That's what got me all screwed up. But I know you got Oklahoma yeah. pride. Yes. Yeah. I, th I think what that catch showed you is just that he has that potential, right? And so coming from Hutch and coming from Cody Cook as a coach, you know, he understands what the expectations are. But, you know, that type of flash lets you know that there's some ability there, right? We go, we fall back to that same word, though, consistency, right? It's great to make a great catch, but can you consistently be where you need to be? Because that's going to be the expectation um, of the offense. But from a receiver standpoint, what I want to see is somebody take off the top. I want to see somebody stretch that defense, and I want to see him do it from the inside. Um, it's hard sometimes to do it from the outside where you're just throwing fade routes. But if we can get some of those inside guys, you know, whether it's Phillip will move Malik in every now and then on, on different plays, because you're going to have an extra receiver with Deuce, right? And so you've got to think about he'll stretch them wide. But if we can get the vertical game going as well, that gives us an opportunity. And then we've got to utilize the tight end. That's always the X factor. That's just something that we, we did last year um, with, with Riley. And so that was really beneficial for us. I thought he should have got the ball more. He caught the ball well. He scored when he needed to. He was tough. He moved the chains. Um, I'm looking for us to open it up on the inside a little bit more and give Skylar some options there. Um, hopefully, um, like I said, using Deuce, using a tight end, stretching the inside a little bit would open up the curls and the comebacks on the outside, hit a backside dig every now and then. Skylar gets on the edge of runs. We've got some, some chances there, you know. Um, but what we can't do, and I don't think we will, right? We can't just turn around and hand the ball to Deuce. That's just not his game, right? You can catch him off guard, but you can't say they expect him to run 54 pop out down the middle between the guard and tackle and he go get it. That's not going to work for Kansas State. And so they understand that. And so I'm excited to have a rotation of different type of backs get in and get on the edge a little bit. And so we just got to move the chains up. That's got to be the name of the game. But we got to have some home run hitters, right? And obviously, you know, um, we're strong in, in the special teams in a return game. And so Brooks should be able to bring that to the offense. They just got to give him some chances. And so hopefully whether it's flat routes or, or post corners, whatever they can do, get the ball in his hands, obviously he can run with it. And so that should be some of the focus for him as far as getting the ball offensively. Yeah. And there was, there was talk of, um, well, one, I'm, I'm going to touch, let me touch first on the tight ends here because you, you brought that up and I, we probably don't give them enough love. It's sexier to talk about Deuce and Skyler and the receivers and all that. I, there is a lot of quality depth and playmaking ability, I think, at tight end. The key there is going to be, can they stay healthy? Because they're guys with injury histories. But, like, we, man, when Sammy Wheeler has been healthy, they basically consider him another receiver. Um, mm -hmm. he, he can make plays. Uh, he had a huge catch and run against Oklahoma State last year in what was a really tight game. And then, look, Daniel Amaterbebe, watching him at open practice, like, he looks like a dude. I mean, he yeah. looks the parts. He is he, he looks great getting off the bus and just the way he moves around. I mean, there is clearly a lot of talent and ability there. I mean, there's a reason he was at USC earlier in his career. It's can he yeah. stay healthy, but so far so good on that front. Wheeler has had two, uh, I believe, two collarbone injuries in his career at K-State and a knee issue. There's just been a lot that he's had to deal with. And then Nick Lenners, you know, has been around for a while and, Back to Andre Coleman as the offensive coordinator. They were really using him at Andre's last year there. So they've, they've got some options at tight end that I think can really help out and, and add a dynamic level to the offense, much like Riley did last year. Yeah, no, you're, you, you hit it on point. 
you've got to use that. If you just think about the NFL, look what, what Travis Kelsey does for Kansas City, right? It's just one of those X factors that is hard to, for a matchup perspective. And so um, I think that's something we should use in our favor. And I, I think if we can do that along with all the other assets and weapons we have, tell you what, I, I can't wait till next Saturday. Like, it, it's nice to have these conversations, but I want to see some production. I want to see those guys yeah. go out there and play. I know they've got the energy. I know they've got the talent. I know they're ready to go. Just a matter of just seeing the product. You know, one thing I'll touch on here on that note as we head into it, I, I think another thing that is not sexy to talk about is like leadership and what you have on your team and attitude. Yeah. But that has been, I can just tell you whether or not you buy into it much at all, that it's been a huge focus for the the coaches and the team and just everything we've heard about the program the entire offseason. And that really dates back to the fact that you had guys midseason transferring last year. And yeah. I dealt with, I think, some locker room repercussions and issues because of that. And so a huge focus was turning that attitude around. And by all accounts, that's gone very, very well. And I, I think that's reflected in the captains that we saw named uh, just yesterday, which is Skylar Thompson, Jerron McPherson, Noah Johnson, and Timmy Horn. You know, we said it's impressive as heck that Timmy Horn comes in from Charlotte as a transfer and is already a captain. But then on yeah. top of that, Skylar, sixth-year senior, Noah Johnson, I mean, all anybody will talk about it. That's a grinder, not a guy who was highly recruited, went through JUCO, not high expectations when he came here to K-State, and he's turned himself into, you know, somebody Connor Riley was joking about. He he basically felt like it was when his wife said yes to marry him when he found out Noah Johnson was coming back. Like, that's how excited they are about him. And then J-Mac, you know, I mean, Jerron McPherson, another guy, been around forever, grinder, he's worked his way up. Like, I just – the leadership and the way that those guys really fit what you think of in a K-State football player matches up very well. And I think yeah. it it does give you some positive feelings about where this locker room is going to be headed in terms of how together everybody is as opposed to last year. Yeah, no, no, I, uh, I believe in those guys. I, I really do. Like I said, it's uh, the only thing I just don't know is what these other teams look like. Right. I just don't yeah. know. I don't know what the Stanford's of the world look like. That's just not my focus. But I know what we can do. Um, I'm actually really excited to see Deuce for year two, right? He he impressed me last year. He he made some plays that I was like, okay, this kid got to he can he can make play and he did it consistently and he did it over and over and over. And so didn't get an opportunity to watch him in high school and so saw him at Kansas State, didn't know much about him, but um he was as advertised. Yeah, it's hard to have a much better freshman year than uh, Deuce Vaughn did last year. That's why he was the big twelve freshman of the year and on the Stanford front we'll talk more about the Cardinal next week as we get ready for K-State's season opening game it's going to be awesome to actually talk some X's and O's what yeah. teams have what they don't um, as we get you ready for game week and uh, we'll be in the thick of it next week when we're talking K-State Stanford coming up but that's going to wrap it up for us here on the lock it up with Kurtz podcast again if you guys are tailgating not just going out to Jerry World and Arlington and Cowboys Stadium but throughout the entire season Get your 360 Vodka stock up there. The guys at 360 Vodka and Holiday Distillery do a great job in helping us out here on this podcast and bringing you vodka, craft cocktails, batch drinks, infusions, your drink of choice. They've got you covered, man. Whatever it is for your tailgate that you need, stock up there. For the 11 a.m. kickoffs, you can do Bloody Marys. You can change it up later on in the year if K-State hopefully has some more 2.30 or 6 o'clock kickoffs, uh, and we'll be all good. Uh, Aaron, before we leave, any closing words? here on this episode you know what i don't think these nine or ten days can go fast enough just looking forward to seeing uh what kansas state can do on the field excited football's back and so it's something we need not just for kansas state but definitely for the big 12 so excited to be part of it 
Yep, put the realignment talk uh, behind you, at least for a little bit, and talk some actual football. Illinois-Nebraska this weekend, by the way, week zero. So you get a little appetizer <laughs> this weekend. Yeah. All right, that'll do it for us. For Tucker Franklin, BJ Kissel, everybody involved here at KCSN, our friends at 360 Vodka and Holiday Distillery, I am John Kurtz. Thank you for listening to the Lock It Up with Kurtz podcast once again this week. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.